This is an Equity Bates Media podcast. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Talk money to me. Hello and welcome to Talk Money To Me. Thanks so much for tuning in. I'm Candice Burke. And I'm Felicity Thomas. Now, given a lot is happening at the moment in the markets and financial landscape, we wanted to bring you another macro and market update as we want you, our listeners, to always be informed when it comes to your investments. With today's episode, we want to discuss in more detail the current state of play for the global economy and macroeconomics, in particular, the US debt ceiling scenarios and market implications. But before we get into today's episode, a quick reminder, guys, our chat today is not considered personal advice, even though we are registered financial advisors at Shore and Partners. Please note this podcast and the content discussed does not constitute financial advice, nor is it a financial product. The content on this podcast is general in nature and you should seek a professional, appropriate advice relevant to your situation before you make your investment decisions. Yes, and because everything's moving quite quickly at the moment, everything we talk about today is based on facts known at the time of recording, which is the 23rd of May, 2023. Exactly. Who knows? By Friday when we drop this, it might all be null and void, but let's hope not. So let's kick off the episode and we hope you get a lot of value out of this. In regards to the debt ceiling crisis going on in the US right now, most likely there'll be a short extension, but the odds of the debt ceiling date breached, it's meaningful, hence why we need to talk about it. So to help us understand and what all this means and what impact it may have on your investment portfolio, we are going to outline a range of potential market economic impacts. You know, firstly, if they do raise the debt ceiling at the last minute, what does that mean? Or reaching the point that the US Treasury can no longer make timely repayments on all of its obligation, which is so-called the X date. Yes. If you're wondering what the X date is, it's actually looking like potentially the 8th to the 9th of June when the US is going to run out of credit. So basically, it's when the US can no longer pay its bills if the debt ceiling isn't raised. Not great. Mark it in your calendar, credit due, can't pay. What's going to (laughs) happen? So here's the possible scenarios. Firstly, raising the debt ceiling. Secondly, debt service prioritisation over other domestic repayments. Thirdly, a short default on coupons. And scenario four, a prolonged, perhaps one month delay in the debt service. Now, the last scenario would actually lower GDP by additional 0.8 of a percentage point. So just under 1% versus what's already priced into the market as a recessionary baseline and also adding 700,000 job losses. This is all US terms at the moment. So this estimate is super meaningful and is really spooking the markets because it's lower than the analysis being done by the White House right now and the Fed Reserve Board staff, in largely part because we assume the financial market shock dissipates much more quickly and treasuries actually rally sharply. 
Yeah, so we've got four scenarios that we're going to explore today. So let's break down the first scenario in more detail. So raising the debt ceiling is an option. However, if they can't come to an agreement in time and there is a non-payment on one week and one month coupons, we could see a drop of 20 to 30% in the S&P 500. Now, in our baseline scenario, we're expecting the S&P 500 to drop 5% by the end of this quarter and end the year roughly flat at 3,900 points. After negotiating a trough towards 3,400 in Q3. Now, if the X date is crossed without a formal default, we see the drop in Q2 deepening a further 5% to 3,750, but proving temporary. Now, a one-week period of no coupon payments and default would trigger up to a 20% drop in stocks towards 3,400 and actually keep them suppressed at these low levels through Q3 before making a partial recovery towards 3,800 by year end. Now, the very unlikely scenario of a month-long non-payment of coupon would not only cause an immediate drop of 30% in stocks, ouch, it could also see a very weak recovery. So, the S&P 500 ending 5% below current levels even by year end 2024. However, it's not all doom and gloom. We actually see the euro stocks outperforming the S&P 500 through all states of the US debt ceiling uncertainty. So really interesting in all four scenarios. Basically, it's not good for US equities and a, a good hedge throughout all this uncertainty is the European markets. Interesting. Yeah. So basically they need to pay their one week and one month coupons. Otherwise it's going to be a big shock for the markets. And we know we kind of follow S&P 500, but not to the same extent. In scenario two, which is the debt service prioritization over other domestic payments, the implication for this is that credit follows a similar pattern to equities like Felicity just went through, but it may benefit from policy support. So credit markets should follow a similar profile as equities with wide spreads of around 700 basis points to 850 basis points in the US high yielding in the one week and one month long scenarios. But the recovering credit should be quicker than equities, likely helped by policy action to ensure liquidity in the bond markets. So in our view, the best asymmetric hedges in global credit is to short US higher rated banks. Recently, they were downgraded, you know, on leverage concerns and credit risk concerns. Also US life insurance, given obviously the the elephant in the room being the credit exposure risk there, higher leverage and tight valuations at the moment, and also short US REITs, again on credit exposure, risk sensitivity and to a more severe recession, no more longer a soft landing. Okay, so that's scenario two. Now with scenario three, it's a short default on coupons. So there could be a limited fall in US rates as term premium rises. So yes, US yields will fall, not rise, even if the US defaults on its debt obligations. Now Treasury flight to quality status comes from more liquidity than the credit cycle, than credit quality, and the downswing in the economic cycle should obscure the rise in term prima that likely follows missed coupons. This said, we don't expect a bull flattening of the curve that was seen in 2011. Term premium will likely rise as the curve bull steepens, so two-year rallies more than 10-year, a pattern consistent with weaker credit and equities. A one-week non-payment of coupons could see US 10-year yields drop 50 basis points below our base baseline by the end of June, so to 2.9%, while a one-month hiatus in payments could take the US 10-year all the way to 2%. And then finally, scenario four, so a prolonging, so one-month delay in the debt service. 
If you look at this through many different lenses, the US dollar will be impacted. And what seems to come out of this in the most favourable light is the Japanese yen and gold. On a one month long delay post the X date, it's likely to cause tightening of financial conditions sharp enough that it causes the US dollar to rally strongly in the short term. In other cases, the dollar is likely to sell off given all the uncertainty. The worst case, however, for the dollar is that if the X date is crossed without default, a de-dollarization becomes a real threat in this case. So on the other side, Japanese long against AUD in the Canadian dollar and gold calls are the cleanest way to hedge against a US default. We see gold doing really well in all levels of uncertainty and default scenarios. So if you haven't already listened to our gold episode, we highly recommend you tune into the conversation with David from Gold Royalties as gold royalty income streams is a really clever way to gain exposure to this sector with minimal risk and lots of diversification. So in all the scenarios, the potential impacts and fallout is becoming more and more real every day when we don't have an agreement. Now, the impact could be huge um, through a potential global recession and disruptive for investors, for instance, through persistently higher treasury borrowing costs. That being said, history is on our side that policymakers will find consensus to avoid a worst case scenario of default. So I think in all investors and managers of money are keeping an eye on the White House and what they're doing at the moment. Definitely. And I think Felicity, it's important to look back at the past in times of uncertainty to see, you know, what actually went on. You referenced 2011 and that was the last time we had a similar situation to what's going on. Back then in 2011, Congress increased the ceiling just two days before the Treasury was expected to exhaust its efforts. So two days before the deadline, essentially. Days later, Standard & Poor's downgraded the US credit rating to AA plus from AAA. So risk and growth assets reacted negatively, as you can imagine. The dollar was sold off, stocks sank, credit spreads widened, but a strong rally in treasuries driven by other things going on at the market, fears at the time, like the European sovereign debt crisis, led bonds higher overall. But outside of that event in 2011, other recent incidents have made markets more driven by the prevailing economic and market dynamics of the time. And any volatility around the debt ceiling drama was ultimately short-lived. Policymakers, like Felicity said, you know, they eventually do come to a compromise. So we're taking confidence in that. It just seems like it's dragging on and it's every press release and article you're seeing at the moment. So it's spooking the markets, right? Absolutely. And then Biden always can um, do something that's never been done in history and make the call himself. Now, before we move on to our next segment of our episode, in which we want to bring you the latest bull and bear market sentiments and a few investable ideas to consider for your portfolio, we're going to take a quick break and hear from our sponsors. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. 
In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. So before we actually broke down the current US debt ceiling crisis and a few possible scenarios the market is factoring in as possibilities, you can see the increased recession fear in the bear camps this week, Candice. Most definitely. And like for the last five days, the S&P 500, we were quoting a lot. It's been really range bound and it doesn't really want to break out of 4,200 levels. So the bears talk of this week is really it's hawkish Fed speak with Logan and Bullard expressing support for another 25 basis point hike in June with everything that's else going on. That's not going to be good for equities. Secondly, big backup in rates with data and debt ceiling dynamics, exuberating scrutiny around the divergence between markets and Fed on a pivot. Also, while healthy, consumer spending trends are softening rapidly and there continue to be normalisation and inflation headwinds on discretionary and big ticket items. Again, the debt ceiling deal could put focus back on liquidity drain with the need to rebuild the TGA via outsized T-bill issuance. So debt ceiling negotiations really have lost momentum since Friday with Republicans walking out of talks, labelling the White House as unreasonable. Very dramatic. I did that with my little (laughs) speech bubbles. Very dramatic, right? I'm out of here. The next point is valuations. The bears are really, you know, to their credit, going back in history, looking at the market statistics to say that it's quite expensive on nearly every metric we look at, you know, in terms of the trading at a historical premium to every asset class, except the 10-year treasuries, that's equities. If you look at tech in particular, the valuation scrutiny is is really big in the FANG names. So Facebook, Apple, Netflix, Google, Apple's, you know, nearly reaching 52-week highs, still off a lot, but valuations are very stretched. And then finally, regulatory backdrop for a big deal M&A remains very difficult with biopharma in the crosshairs this week. So M&A also really hard to get up and weigh. Like you said earlier, Candice, for the past five days, the S&P 500 has been range-bound and hasn't really wanted to break out from 4,200-point levels. But the bulls are still here, right? So we've got a few... You can't keep them down, can you? No, we can't keep the bulls down. I mean, we we obviously want to take a long-term view, right, for the market. So number one, the point here is there's progress on the debt ceiling, with McCarthy noting a deal could be hashed out by Sunday, leading to a House vote next week, though this was actually before Friday's pause. Then we've got two, so dampened hard landing concerns with upside surprises from core retail sales, home builders, sentiment and Philly Fed manufacturing. Retail sales highlighted a still very healthy US consumer despite heightened macro uncertainty. You know, the big four regional bank bounce was well-received deposit up with well-received deposit updates from Western Alliance and no signs of incremental signs of stress on bank balance sheet in the latest data from the Fed. We've had a lot of tech outperformance, which actually broadened beyond the mega cap names where AI has been a big tailwind with actually semis being a huge standout performer there. Then there's been more discussions about depressed positioning and sentiment as contrarian indicators, particularly with the equity exposure among active managers near a one-year low. And our final bullish point 
or the bulls. Not all feds speak hawkish as Powell seems to stake out the middle ground and Williams does not think the R has changed much because of the pandemic. That group is very mixed, right? Like, I'd <laughs> love to know what goes on behind closed doors when they're debating. So whether you're a positive or negative on the market at the moment, the question still remains for all investors, given the current macro news. Can I do anything to prepare for a disorderly market period, be it long or short? That's the question on everyone's lips. Gosh, I think we've been preparing for this for the last three to four years. <laughs> so for us, we've said it many times before, not something that's new. Diversification is really the best defence. Now, the potential for a disorderly debt ceiling episode adds just another kicker for global investors to rebalance US overweights across asset classes. For instance, consider currencies and precious metals like the Japanese yen, the Swiss franc and gold like we mentioned earlier. Further yields globally have risen with bonds outside of the US also now providing compelling income and protection. Finally, while stocks globally could hit in a disorderly episode, high quality international equities, we're already catching a bid from China's reopening and Europe's improving energy dynamics and higher exposure to the real economy, which could also provide relative insulation in this period. So we're going global. Going global and don't just focus on the S&P 500 and also the mega cap names, right? Because all in all, this isn't the first time a debt crisis ceiling episode has caused drama for investors and it probably won't be the last. Yes, it's noise. We think it's best to stick to your long-term investment strategy and plan and keep within the risk parameters that you're comfortable with. That's it, Candice. Like you always say, stick with your knitting. That's right. So Love the knitting. Love the knitting. So we've got a few key sectors and investable ideas we think are worthy looking at given the current concerns as they tend to stand the test of time and perform well in economic conditions. So firstly, we look at defence companies. They actually stand to benefit as the government may need to increase defence spending as a result of the debt ceiling issues. So there's a couple of really good ETFs. You've got the iShares US Aerospace and Defence ETF, which actually holds in the names like Raython Technologies or Lockheed Martin or Boeing. Then we have the Spider S&P Aerospace and Defence ETF with Northrop, Grunman and Aerojet Rocketdyne. They're really great ETFs to play the defence space. So again, like you were saying, stick to your knitting. In times of uncertainty and downturn, utility stocks are a traditional safe haven sector because when the economy stumbles, GDP slows down, consumer spending weakens. At the end of the day, consumers don't turn off their lights at home. They don't stop watching TV. They still use their mobiles and they do not unplug their refrigerator. So these basic daily living needs are the bedrock of our modern day society. And, you know, for example, if we just look at the Australian market, one of our top picks in the utility space, which is the largest operator of natural gas and electricity assets in Australia, is APA Group, upside to reach consensus valuation of $10.78 per share. And then UBS have a little bit higher, $11.30 per share is their valuation. Going offshore, just a quick idea, Felicity, for our listeners would be Next Terra Energy, NEE, N-E-E, is the uh, the stock code there on the US. That's the largest electrical utility provider globally in terms of market cap. 
more upside on this name to reach $95 US per share. And then we've got gold. So during periods of uncertainty and recessionary talks, you know, everything does fall in value from currencies, stock market, real estate, um, other property assets. And in times of crisis, money is typically withdrawn from investments like stocks and shares. But despite this, money itself also loses its value in an inflationary environment. Now, the supply of gold is limited, and this is why gold performs well in a crisis. So unlike cash, gold maintains its value. So there's a lot of scarcity in its precious metal nature because there isn't an infinite supply, which actually has a really enduring appeal for investors. So definitely add gold or look at gold if you're missing it within your portfolio at the moment. A final key sector we want to end on would be critical infrastructure. So the reality is we're likely to see another US debt you know, ceiling crisis come and go. But it seems, for example, the Russian-Ukraine war and other conflicts, there's no end in sight soon. So that really beckons the question again, Europe will likely need to redesign its energy infrastructure and supply chain to become less reliant on outside powers which should benefit not only natural gas producers and transporters, but also accelerate the green energy transition, which we've spoken a lot about on Talk Money To Me. So what we're seeing is that right now playing it out, there's more nuclear energy starting to come as more of a viable and acceptable option into the market. We think a key sector to therefore, you know, think about considering investing your capital for the next five, 10 years, not only will you be exposed to critical infrastructure such as transportation, but more importantly, gas, energy storage. We think these areas will continue to provide investors with steady income streams under a wide variety of macroeconomic conditions, including the ongoing potential, you know, recession, no more soft landing and whatever happens with the US debt ceiling concern at the moment. So just looking locally in Australia, we really like Transurban, TCL is the ticker there, as it dominates the transport sector and urban toll road networks, not only in Australia, but offshore in Canada and the US, price target of $15.45. And then if we look at ETFs, we like the Vanek Infrastructure ETF, INFR is the ticker, as it gives investors exposures to a diversified portfolio of infrastructure securities globally. So you get about 50% in utilities, 30% in transportation, and 20% in others like pipelines. They cap the individual stocks at 5%. And historically, it pays about 3.5% in income with a total return of just shy of 6.5% per annum since inception, which this ETF dates back to April 2016. So again, those sectors of importance that we think, you know, if you're missing a gap in these names, they are defence, utilities, gold and critical infrastructure. Please have a listen again to those stocks, hit pause, Google the ETFs, do what you need to do because we really hope you took some value out of this episode. As always, we love to hear from our listeners, so please feel free to reach out to us via email, which you can do that through tmtm at equitymates.com. That's right. We think it's a really good time to actually take profits in your portfolio, keep a little bit of cash on the side so that you can really take advantage of these potential drops in equity prices over the next coming months. And lastly, before we sign off, 
Although Candice and I are financial advisors at Shore and Partners, please note our discussion today does not constitute as personal financial advice. As always, you should seek professional advice before making any financial or investment decisions. Make sure you follow us on at Talk Money To Me podcast for daily market updates. Until next time. See you then. Talk Money To Me is a product of Equity Mates Media. All information in this podcast is for education and entertainment purposes only. Equity Mates gives listeners access to information and educational content provided by a range of financial service professionals. It is not intended as a substitute for professional finance, legal or tax advice. The hosts of Talk Money to Me are not aware of your personal financial circumstances. Equity Mates Media does not operate under an Australian financial services license and relies on the exemption available under the Corporations Act 2001 in respect of any information or advice given. Before making any financial decisions, you should read the product disclosure statement and, if necessary, consult a licensed financial professional. Do not take financial advice from a podcast. For more information, head to the disclaimer page on the EquityMates website where you can find the ASIC resources and find a registered financial professional near you. In the spirit of reconciliation, EquityMates Media and the hosts of Talk Money To Me acknowledge the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respects to their elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people today. 